Hi, everyone. This is Chuck Sipe, Assistant Superintendent from Roxbury Schools, here with another episode of Schoolhouse Rocks, a podcast. Today, I'm joined by some of my wonderful colleagues, and we're going to really focus on elementary mathematics today. So before we get started, I would like to invite uh, my guests to introduce themselves so that our audience knows who they are listening to today. Hi, I'm uh, Stephanie Rohde, a teacher currently at Jefferson Elementary. Happy to be here. Jen Maurer, kindergarten teacher at Franklin. Miss Erica Kelly, pre-K through six applied sciences and mathematics supervisor. All right. So the impetus for today's session is to really achieve two things. Um, we want to debunk some language that is often used surrounding elementary math instruction and also use this as an opportunity to educate members of our school community about some of the philosophical and pedagogical structures that we utilize when we are teaching elementary math. So before we get too far into that piece of how we teach and what we're doing, let's start with a really common expression that I've started to hear post common core. Um, the, the phrase new math has emerged, which to me, so I guess I should say this first, I was a math teacher also. So when I was in the classroom, I was a math teacher. So this is really near and dear to my heart. Anyhow, um, the phrase new math kind of emerged after the Common Core adoption, and it's, in my mind, it really talks about how math looks different than it did when we were kids, right? The classrooms we sat in as kids, very different from what the classrooms look like now, but it has gathered this negative connotation, right? People talk about new math, um, and it just has this negative air about it. So I want us to start by talking about that. So I'm just going to invite any of you, when I say that new math, What's that make you think of? How do you, how does that relate to your classroom? And how can we describe and lead into some of the other things we want to say today? How can we describe our classrooms and our philosophy on math instruction to help people understand that new math, not a bad thing, it's actually not even a real thing. It's just the next evolution of what we do. So I think I'm going to start here as Erica Kelly, that um, basically when we think new math, and when I hear that term, I automatically like think right to the high school experience I had or even the middle school experience or the elementary school experience where I felt like in math, it was largely passive for the student where the student was just listening to the teacher go through instruction. We did some homework review. Maybe we did some guided practice. And then I was off on my own to do what I thought I knew from the lesson. Um, but if you think about nowadays with the integration of Common Core and even the workshop model, we kind of took away that passive education from students and we put it more autonomously on the student where the student is actively engaged within the whole lesson and the lesson is really tiered and built around the student. Um, and I think you ladies can kind of speak to this too, that you think of all your individuals in class when you're planning your lessons rather than just think about the process of going through that lesson. Um, and that's really where the workshop model really works hand in hand and runs parallel to the standards because you look at that standard and you use it as a baseline approach. But then you formulate this lesson plan that's built around the needs of your kids, whether it be a mini lesson that's super short or whether it be that you do a mini lesson within your stations or you're tiering or differentiating your work within your workshop stations or you have differentiated assessments for the kiddos. So that idea of new math really isn't new math. It's still everything that we are learning, but it's a new approach where the kids are really more autonomous in their learning. We're tiering our instruction to kids based on their specific needs and what ability levels they're coming into the classroom with. And I think that's the pivotal moment that's really important within the math field because I remember going home in middle school 
and basically teaching myself math by doing a problem over and over and over again until I really understood the process. But I knew nothing about the concept. And that's really where that idea of new math, as much as it's not new math, really comes in. Yeah. I mean, I, I completely agree with everything, Erica. I think when I, I hear this phrase, it, it kind of bothers me to even say new math, right? But I, I automatically think of when when I was in school and, you know, I'll dive into fourth grade um, so I can relate it back to my classroom now, but uh, students didn't speak. We, we weren't, you know, it wasn't a group discussion. It wasn't understanding and using prior knowledge to figure out skills now. And that, that wasn't a thing. You watch the teacher and Hopefully you take it in. Good luck. Here's a worksheet, right? And exactly. It wasn't and you were just hoping and praying that you could get that yeah, worksheet done right? on your own. <laughs> right? And then you go home and sit at the table. My mom's like, it's two apples <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> times two more. <laughs> yeah. Right? It's, it's just we all had that same experience. And I think of it now as just incredible that mm-hmm. kids have a different approach. And you see kids now enjoy math more because mm-hmm. they're able to talk with each other. And it, these light bulbs that go off, they don't need to be geniuses at math and that's the beauty of it right I remember as a kid struggling with math and I couldn't understand it more because the teacher kept going and Mm -hmm. you didn't talk Mm -hmm. now they're just able to converse with each other and build upon each other's ideas the confidence is skyrocketing Um, and the skills that they're learning from prior years is being taken with them now and I see it first thing in fourth grade you know Jen I know you could speak on kindergarten but I see skills from kindergarten that are just being enlarged as they progress and it's expanding into fourth grade. And that's what I love about the current math now. I think it's just, it's, it's going to really do wonders for them as they go on. Definitely. And I also think now we look at the learner. So when I think back 30 years ago, when I was in kindergarten or first grade, we learned place value always stands out to me. We learned, okay, carry the one or, okay, this is a one. Oh, get rid of the zero. And we just accepted that. We did it in a workbook. We did it on a worksheet and that's how our parents knew it. So they were happy that we could do it the way they learned, but we didn't understand. And now as adults, we're struggling. We rely on our calculator or we just blindly kind of, oh, I need to buy carpet. Oh, well, the salesperson told me it's this much. I don't know how to do that math. So (laughs) I'll just trust them that they do it. Now (laughs) we're making learners who really understand the math and they understand in kindergarten place value. They know what a 10 is. They know what a hundreds is and they're able to apply that. And I think that makes it more fun. It makes Mm -hmm. it more engaging and we're able to do hands-on math. We're not changing the math. Mm -hmm. We're making it engaging. We're making it fun and we're really helping them to understand it. I think we're also making it more meaningful because if you think about what you two ladies touched upon, even just like the fluidity of the math concepts where kids are using what they learned in kindergarten to be successful in first grade or what they learned in first grade to be successful all the way up to fourth grade. That's something that I remember as a mathematician myself in like middle school, high school, or even elementary school that I didn't necessarily have. I was taught how to regroup with subtraction and I knew how to do it. And then we moved on to something else. Right. But it, we literally didn't have that connection where when I started getting into algebra or anything like that, I was able to see that all the fraction work I did in fourth grade really applied into everything that I was learning in algebra. And I was able to make connections so much easier for myself instead of sit there for hours solving the same math problem and just looking at the procedure over and over again. But I love how also, Jen, you brought up the idea of making it fun and engaging for the kiddos. Because even when we think back to our times when we were in math classes, did we ever use manipulatives? No. No. I don't even know what manipulatives were. 
ridiculous. Paper and pencil. Now when right. I give my kids paper and pencil, they're like, oh, I guess we're going to try that today. Whereas they're so yeah. used to problem solving, working together. The other big focus is group work. So before math was you and your math problem. Now it's you and your partner, you and your small group. And the workshop model really helps us to give students the opportunity to work in those partnerships, in those groups, or with the teacher, where it gives us the opportunity to have students work in small groups or sometimes one-on-one with the teacher that just didn't exist before. And I think our programs and our standards really lead to that which is a big improvement. Even like peer tutoring. Like I always remember sitting there and I'm like, okay, I'm sitting with my math problem. It's my arch nemesis. But like literally if teachers just paired students up like we do now in the workshop model and you have that peer tutoring that's really going on, even though you're still learning the same thing that your teacher just taught you, you're hearing it from a different perspective of another kiddo. And sometimes that's like more meaningful than actually hearing it from the teacher too. And it really puts that student on the pedestal of like, this is, I'm a mathematician, this is my learning and this is my learning process. And I feel like we never got that before with what we would call old math. Yeah, I mean, I when when I automatically think about uh, too, how, how math is just different now, I think it's because we focused so much as kids on that hundred, mm-hmm. right? We focused on if you remembered how to do it, Hopefully you memorized how to simplify that fraction because here's a check-in. I'll know if you memorized it by that hundred. Exactly. And now we're assessing in a different way. We're assessing based on their understanding, their growth. Mm -hmm. It's not just solely focusing on your memorization skills Mm -hmm. on on math that, you know, next year you'll forget about. Exactly. And we have the math practices on the report card, which might stand out as something very different, that we're assessing students on how they're attacking those math problems. But that's what we're developing. And that's what they're going to carry with them. And that we also focus right in kindergarten on Mm -hmm. problem solving. And I love to hear, and I know by looking at the standards, it carries on through each grade. So that's something different too. Exactly. So I'm hearing a couple of common threads. I want to break out a couple of pieces of what you've just said. So what I'm hearing you talk about is that the real difference between old math, which we will clar- classify as the classroom experience we all had, versus what is now referred to as new math, which is our the current methodology for instructing mathematics, the real difference is a focus on what I'm going to call right now like lateral thinking, n- numerical fluency, number sense, students' ability to actually do something productive with what they understand about mathematical conce- concepts as it pertains to the mathematical standards in the classroom, right? So that seems to be the big characteristic that distinguishes the the transition of the experience from where we were as students to where we are as the educators now. Um, Nothing really new, right? Math is still math. Multiplication is still multiplication, but it's more about like, well, why does that work, right? Where does multiplication come from as opposed to spending hours memorizing multiplication tables? Mm -hmm. Not to suggest students don't need to know those facts, right? Facts are important. We need to know that stuff, but What if you forget one? How do you figure it out? Recognizing we do live in an era where there is technology that can assist us, we still need to know math concepts and how to work with numbers. So sprinkled throughout that discussion you all just had, you used language about math instructional format that I want us to back up and kind of dig through so that anyone who's listening who may not be a math teacher we can understand. So you referenced the workshop model a couple of times. There were words like mini lesson, tiering, um, skills, group work. Let's talk about that structure and break down how we actually teach math now, which is very different from what we had as students, which was 
we kind of laughed as we were preparing to record this, that format like I do, maybe we do, you do, right? Teacher shows, kid practices a thousand times, right? And starts to memorize it, hopefully, right? So we've transitioned away from that to a, a much more dynamic instructional format. So let's, I'm going to invite you to describe what that looks like, recognizing, although you're both in kindergarten and fourth grade, the format's similar, right? Which is really exciting because it makes it easy for students. They know what to expect. Um, and also let's talk about in there, the new math program. So we have a new math program that um, you all, I think, played a part in adopting for this year, recommend, reviewing and uh, recommending for adoption. So let's let's spend a little bit of time talking about that, the format of how we teach with the workshop and how we can utilize our new program reveal as a part of that. The workshop model is also exciting and great for the students because we use it in reading and writing. So in our district, we've been using the workshop model for years and not to say we're doing the same that we've been doing years ago, but the format is the same. We start with a warm up, just like when you're ready to work out, you need to warm up, which is a great way to get the students engaged in kindergarten. That might be a game, a counts, a fluency game. We do a lot of singing, a lot of movement, um, or our reveal program has really cool, um, videos and pictures the students look at and they have a discussion. Mm -hmm. What does this make me notice? What does this make me wonder? What is your warm up? warm up look like. <laughs> um, I, I love, Jen, I love that you referenced how uh, the warm ups are, are, have been similar, right? It's, it's kind of the same in fourth grade, which means they understand what's expected of them at that point. Um, that's what I love about that you do it in kindergarten, because <laughs> when they get to me, I'm like, oh, this is great. So after our warm up, we do have a uh, quick mini lesson. Now, the mini lesson is what our goal is for that day. It's a new skill that we're trying to um, expose the students to, and hopefully they can have meaningful conversations with each other over it. After that mini lesson, which is done in whole group, meaning um, with the entire uh, class together. Afterwards, we have some teachers do an exit ticket at that point. Some do it at the end of the completion of the whole lesson. But students go off into stations. Now, Jen, do you call them stations in kindergarten too? I do call them stations. That's where okay. the work's happening. So we, mm -hmm. <laughs> we call them workstations or math workstations. Yeah. So that's the beauty of math workshop is that portion. That's where you really see the students grow. That's where you have your uh, students tiered. And by tiered, I mean, uh, you know, with assessments and assessing their data, where they fall, what they need reinforcement on, what they can be challenged on. So the stations that they're in at that point are differentiated based on what the students need. And this just made me think about something that I incorporated this year that I was never able to do prior to. And it's actually a student-led station mm -hmm. because they're so incredible at talking to each other about math. Mm -hmm. It's called the teacher station where they pick a skill and they create a problem mm -hmm. and have the rest of their crew do it. And it's, it's incredible to me that they're at a level to be able to think on such, on such a deep method with all of this. It's, it's wild. Yeah. And relating it back to um, Jen bringing up reveal, it's usually we see in reading and writing skills relate more to real life and math because of the reveal curriculum is now connecting it to real life scenarios that they're going to see and they're going to be exposed to that it's going to travel with them. They have to think outside the box. It's not just somebody's going to come up to them on the street with a multiplication problem. Mm -hmm. It's when are you going to use this skill? Exactly. Right? Like the application stations and the STEM career readiness um, yeah. video links and everything. I was just talking to another set of fourth grade teachers and we were talking about the refractions project that they re recently had. And it was all based on comparing um, fractions and equivalent fractions. 
and I even spoke to them about the application station that was um, a paint chemist. And I always referred to like in my head, like, oh my God, I paint every room in my house with Benjamin Moore paint. I probably should buy stock in them. But I always think about the paint chemists, about how they really create these paint colors. And it all relates to equivalent fractions of like what paint colors are embedded within to make a blue or a gray or anything like that. So I think that's what the program really does because there was a direct application station right for being a paint chemist for a fourth grade student. Yeah. And I thought that was so intriguing because again, relating to that idea of old math versus new math, like we never had that. We just thought nine times, like one third is so on and so forth. But right. I think to have those real world applications built within that you guys can use as either stations or you guys can use as conversations. I even see them as conversations in kindergarten classrooms and the kids eat it up. Like they just love they're it. They're excited for the topics. The other day I asked my class, how do you find out what the weather is predicted to be? And they said, you ask Alexis. And so in Reveal, they were showing us a meteorologist. And instead of showing it as a 50-year-old man that they can't really relate to, it shows it as a kid who does that as a hobby. And they're really learning about all of these awesome science, math, engineering jobs that they exactly. can do and things that interest them, kids that look like them, sound yeah. like them, and talk like them which I think is a great connection. But I also like how we're given in Roxbury the flexibility to also add in our own stations mm -hmm. and our own um, activities. So I have a sensory bin. Mm -hmm. The students are thrilled to get their hands in. It has all different fun objects to touch and sort yep. through. And in that are math activities. Mm -hmm. So they're able to do that in those groups. And then the next piece, where's the teacher? We're working with a group of students who maybe were struggling with that day's mini lesson or the previous day's mm -hmm. mini lesson, and we're giving them a new folk, a new approach to solve those problems and to learn. I really love what we do in the small group, yep. and we're really able to meet the needs of those students who might need extra teacher instruction. And Jen, you made a comment before that I kind of want to step back to as to like the math workshop model and how we've been using it over the years, not to say we've been doing the same thing, because we really haven't. If you think about the math workshop model or even the readers writers workshop model, even though it's the same instructional approach, your population is never the same every single mm -hmm. year. So no matter what your approach is, maybe last year, that's not the same approach that you're using this year because your kiddos need you in a different capacity and your kiddos need different differentiation to occur within the stations or within the mini lessons. But what I really love about the integration of reveal into the math workshop model and how it works so hand in hand, like seamlessly with the workshop model and even the use of the CRA model where we use a lot of manipulative based instruction is that there's so many different elements that you get in kindergarten, but you also receive in fourth grade, like the warm up activities and how we automatically link that to number sense and fact fluency. No matter that the students are doing that in kindergarten or fourth grade, it's based on a different level of understanding of number sense and a different level of application of number sense. So even though they're counting to 100 while singing songs and doing number sense routines, they're going to use that knowledge eventually to do a number sense routine in fourth grade. And that's the beauty of having that same approach, but seeing how it trickles up or it tears up into the various different grade levels and how students are learning, again, that fluidity of the concepts of how do I use my understanding here to be successful in this activity here. But I must say, like, I also give super kudos to the teachers because we've come into the math workshop model where we've had very kind of like 
the format approach really down. And we kind of really changed it up this year. Like we even said for the mini lesson, it could be direct instruction where you guys are basically doing a mini lesson with the kiddos. But we even said during that time, it could be the whole group or you can integrate it into your stations and you're taking groups of kids in small groups and doing the direct mini lesson. Mm -hmm. Or you can make your mini lesson exploratory based where like you give the kiddos a problem and you give them the tools and like you give them maybe base 10 blocks or counting bears or um, another manipulative and they have to figure out which tool is most appropriate to solve that problem while also figuring out the concept behind that problem and it really puts like I said uh, autonomy on the learner and them really understanding the conceptual understanding before we even go into what is the objective for today's lesson and I think that the teachers of Roxbury really took this in and really internalized it like sponges. And you, I've seen all different approaches to the mini lesson even being applied and all different resources from Reveal being utilized to do so successfully. So I think, honestly, we're ahead of the curve in Roxbury with that, with applying a supplemental curriculum series, applying the CRA model and using it in the workshop model to be successful for the kiddos, to really differentiate for the kids in our class and the population that we have. And even just going into the centers, like Jen said, there's a lot of centers, they have the flexibility of really including what they already did and what they know is successful for the kiddos, but then also having different things like a student-led center where they're teaching each other. That's definitely something new that I've heard, or even like a STEM-based activity center. And um, Reveal even provides a spiral review center now, so addressing the fluidity of the concepts to the kiddos. A lot of the reveal program also embeds in like elements of application-based learning and students really explaining the understanding of the concept rather than just sitting there and solving 10 problems on a worksheet where it's all based on procedural fluency. So I must say with the integration of reveal into the workshop model with CRA, with the idea of the old math versus the new math, it really all comes together. And I feel like we are so ahead of the curve because we are doing such innovative things in our classroom to really kind of form a marriage between all of these for our kiddos. Yeah, I mean, I I agree with everything, Erica. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, and it also made me think too, especially when you said the CRA model. I think once I was able to understand the desire for students to be able to explain versus memorize, I even switched up, you know, like homework, right? Mm-hmm. We're so used to the homework being this 20 question, get that done, right? Do do what you got to do type of thing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, parents might be seeing now a switch on homework. They might be seeing an absence of homework. That doesn't mean that your teacher is, is just doesn't feel like making copies. It's because the teacher is understanding what the students necessarily need. Sometimes they need to verbalize an understanding and that could be more beneficial for the teacher to realize than getting 20 questions correct. Um, sometimes it's, it's reviewing those basic concrete skills to lead them down a stronger path of being able to explain. Exactly. So I think, I I think the idea of homework too, is if you have a lesson, like let's say equivalent fractions and you're on day one of that lesson, you're not going to send home homework with the kiddos for them to do, let's say five problems when you know from like your exit ticket that you're going to need to spend another day on this topic, or you're going to need to relate this topic from using manipulatives now and relate it to the abstract model. So I think the value of homework is really being implemented when it needs to be. Um, Does that say that parents can't request additional work possibly from the teachers? Because there is always so many resources embedded within Reveal 
that there are definitely resources that could be sent home for additional practice. But I think homework is being utilized as such more of a meaningful task rather than the kids being sent home with 10 or five problems just to solve and never really actually understand the concept. Absolutely. And the students, they're doing math in their own problem solving. My mm -hmm. students will come to me and tell me how they used math to figure something out when they were building with Legos or they're understanding their bus number. They are so excited to really be able to memorize. We used to struggle that students in kindergarten couldn't remember a two digit bus number. They know it now and they know what that number means and they're able to apply it, which is exciting too. Exactly. All right, so we've gone through a lot. It's, we're about 25 minutes, so I want to make sure that we keep our time frame. So I just want to summarize a couple of things I heard you guys say um, regarding how we teach math now and in our schools, which is really all I'm concerned about is how we teach in our schools. We're working on implementing a program and a curriculum framework that allows students plenty of opportunities to have conversations about math in a fun and engaging way that gives them the opportunity to grow in their confidence um, one of the things I also heard you talk about is that there may not be a homework structure that looks like it once did. And a couple of different times I heard you guys say five or 10 questions. You must've had different experience than me. Cause I remember lots of like one to 51 <laughs> odds. Um, actually it was often uh, two to 52 evens because mm -hmm. the odds mm -hmm. had the answers in the back yep. of the book. So, uh, <laughs> anyhow, and I also heard you say that the stations are, uh, formed in a way that gives students what they need, right? Sometimes that's additional teacher support. Sometimes it's enrichment. Sometimes it's extra practice. And um, recognizing that each lesson is formed in a way that students get what they need is really an interesting concept, and I'm super happy to hear that. Um, and so on that idea of homework, uh, one of the last things, you know, we talked about making sure that homework is purposeful, right? And so you guys just kind of touched on at the end, just because there's not a lot, quantity does not equate to quality. And so in those instances, I would ask if, you, uh, if you're if you listening at home and you're thinking, well, I want my child to get extra opportunity, invite them to explain it to you, invite them to help cook dinner, invite them to, you know, apply the math they're learning in their life around the home. And that's really a great opportunity for them to demonstrate learning as opposed to doing lots of, you know, problems over and over and over again. Uh, additionally, I would ask if there is homework, be cautious with the amount of support you provide, right? It's easy when your child comes and says, hey, can you check this work? It's easy to check it and say number seven is wrong and number four is wrong. Go back to those. Except what that does sometimes is it diminishes the teacher's ability to understand the student's level of under of knowledge. And they're really starting to understand the parent's level of knowledge, right? So bringing work back that is not 100% correct actually is more beneficial for the teacher because it's more accurate than if, if, you're, if you're helping at home. That makes it really challenging for the teacher to know where a student is, particularly when we do things like our IXL diagnostic, which we referenced using assessments to tier students, all of that comes together. So the best support you can give providing, um, whether it be homework or just conversations surrounding math and home, is encouragement. Everyone can be good at math, right? We're going we're gonna to talk in a future um, episode about that idea of the math person. Everyone can be successful in math. Uh, there's no such thing as a math person, right? We all have the ability to apply math as it is purposeful in our lives. And our hope is that we develop that love of math, that love of numbers early in elementary school, <clears throat> excuse me, so that as students move up, they see themselves able to be successful in math, right? That's something that we want every student to see. So, all right, before we get to the 30-minute mark, I'll invite you all. Any last thoughts before we say goodbye? One quick last thought. If you're listening and you're thinking, that sounds great, but 
They still need to be able to solve a problem really quickly on a piece of paper. They can. And that's the beauty of it. When we're mm -hmm. giving our paper and pencil tests at the end of a unit, they're doing it. Mm -hmm. And not only are they getting it correct, or they're able to see their mistakes and work on it in the future, they're understanding it deeper. So I think we're not losing the old way. It's just we're giving the deeper understanding for the, with adding the new way. Yeah, reinventing exactly. in a way. Yeah. I do want to say that a presentation was made in regards to the math workshop model, the skills focus, and even our program reveal. Um, so if you have any questions or you just want to kind of glimpse after hearing us talk about it, that will be posted along with the podcast. And also your teachers do or your children's teachers also have access to that. So you can always request it from them as well. All right. There you have it. New math, it's uh, hopefully the way that we are teaching students to love math and the numbers around them so that they feel confident and comfortable in their ability to interact with numbers purposefully in their life and in their future. Ladies, thanks for joining me. Thank you Thank for sharing you. so much information. It's very exciting stuff. Take care, everyone.